2 Peter chapter 1. Go to Revelation, make a left. If you got it on your phones, you're probably there faster than almost all of us. 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to jump right into it. I want to create as much momentum as possible. As much life as possible that the Holy Spirit would do. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His, meaning God, divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let me say, let me read it again. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to what, saints? Life. That's good. I got one person. Life and godliness. If you're looking for life, if you're looking to experience life, if you want to experience the greatness of anything that could ever happen to you, it's right here in the divine power and name of Jesus. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. And we see this. This is where people want to do something with excellence. They want to, to be excellent. Why? Because God is excellent. He didn't send a second rate. He didn't send a discount. He didn't sell an on-sale product. He sent Jesus. Verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, that's Through the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. That is through the promises of God here we see that we can partake of the divine nature. So let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, the only way we can ever partake of the divine nature is to trust in the promises of the one who gave them. So we come to you today begging for your spirit to speak to us. Now, Lord, I I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words, as your scripture says, but by demonstration of the spirit of power. So, people in here, I know, need prayer. Some need a prophetic word. Some need clarity in decisions. Some need some people to come alongside them and pray for healing. Some need to prayer for trust and increase of faith. Some want to believe, Lord, that you would forgive them. And some want to believe in you for the very first time. So it is my prayer today that, Lord, that you would be made glorious. That there would be a holy momentum that would come out of this place as we're set on fire by the glory of God. Lord, produce a burning heart in me that will then give way to a flaming tongue. That will then give way to the fire of the Holy Spirit on this place. Lord, I'm praying that your movement would be great and mighty today. Lord, we have, you have done majestic and holy things. And who are we? Who are we? Who are we? That a king would die for us. So Lord, here we are. Please forgive me. I don't want anything to be seen but Jesus. I want every word that I say to keep my mind, to keep in step with the Spirit of God speaking to me. That I might then relay it just, and I might stay in step with you and fast with you, Lord, as you pour it. We love you and praise you. 
And we give you all the glory because there's only one name that can resurrect anyone from the dead. There's only one name that can bring healing and open the eyes of the blind, set the captives free, release the oppressed, and God that could take out the barren, broken, devastated areas and bring life. You can bring old dry bones back. And so would you do that today? In that matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And all the saints said what? Amen. Um, I, I don't know if this can go up, but I just want to, to ask Alicia if, if it's possible there. I, I don't know uh, about this, but on the, the sermon outline, I put this on Facebook so you can see it. I, I want you to know that Summit Church got a, an email. And we got an email from the state convention. Uh, one, they're not kicking us out. Okay, you're not surprised by that. I don't even know what's wrong with you. You're just like, you're expecting it. You're expecting it. And you're just going to say, it's our pastor's fault. And they're going to say, yeah, you're right. He's, he's crazy. But we got this letter, or this email. And, and I just want to read it to you. Now listen, I want to say something. I am not bragging on the church. I am bragging on Jesus. Come on, somebody. It is not about us. It is not about this church. God could shut it down, raise it up, tear it apart, spin it around. I don't know. Put it on a Twinkie for all I care. It's about Jesus. Well, I do care if it's on a Twinkie. Twinkies are good for you. Don't listen to your parents. So here's the letter. Congratulations. Your church's baptisms are topping the charts. Summit is in the top 10 of reported baptisms. Your church size would give God the glory, but it reveals that you and your people are engaging lost people. And so what they want us to do is they want us to come alongside them and begin to share with them what God is doing. Now, when I got this email this week, this is what I want to sow into your spirit. So if you're a student here or you're a grandparent, I don't care if you're five years old or 500. Well, if you're 500, you're a miracle. But nonetheless, you're all a miracle. Is that God is blessing us in some ways that we don't even know. Half the time, listen, sometimes in the years past, we didn't even turn that stuff in. Right, Kevin? I mean, you got to understand, we are summit. We ain't, we ain't going to brag on nobody but Jesus. We don't even turn stuff in. I Listen, I'm celebrating that people can have so many baptisms in one week. And I'm celebrating that people can have so many salvations in one week. But I want to say something. So the Lord has taken this church, which was podunk nothing. I remember preaching to eight people. Three were football players. I said, die or come. Your choice. And look what the Lord is doing. Look what God is doing. And what, I'm, listen, I'm not trying, listen, I ain't, I ain't, I'm going to say it. Oh, God, forgive me. Listen, I want to say, listen, it's very nice to have this building. And it's very nice that we pay CSU $21,000 a year for this building for six hours of Sunday. Mm. Somebody got to pay for insurance. Somebody got to pay that. It's nice that the Lord is blessing us. It's nice that we do all these things. We don't even care about building a building. We're planning on building. The only building we're going to build is because God sent us Kevin. is to build something for somebody else. Right, Kevin? That's all we're going to do. If we do something on this campus, it's not going to be about us. It's going to be about somebody else so Jesus can get the glory. So if anybody wants to come in here and shut this school down, there'll still be something on this holy ground standing for the Lord. 
So all I can say is that God is going to do something, is doing something. But let me just say this, that you should see the amount of money that we spend per person, per salvation. It is very small. That is because God is, the Holy Spirit of God is working in you. Because you're the ones that are walking around saying, yes, I believe in God's very great promises. I believe that he is going to pour it in us. And you hold on to the Lord. I mean, we do not spend $1.3 million on sound and lights, family. We do not have a church budget of $60,000 a month just for lights, like some churches. We didn't spend over a million dollars on acoustics. We only care about Jesus and the people he loves. Now, I like air conditioning. And sometimes heat. But I figure it this way. If the air goes out in this joint, I said joint, that's old people's 70s lane. We ain't talking about that doobie some people talking about. But I, I'm just saying that if the air goes out in this place, then the way I figure it, since I'm going to heaven, this is the only hell I'm ever going to experience. It's as hot as it's going to get for me, people. And so I'll just rejoice in that, that if the air goes out and the lights get dim, that there's one who is not going to go dim and there's one who's not going to let the air come out of my lungs because we will live forever because of the name of Jesus. And so God is recognizing us when all we're going to do is reflect him. And we're not going to go in there with any wise or persuasive words or any magnificent church strategy. All we care about is that you fall madly in love with Jesus and so in love with Jesus that you don't care about yourself anymore, that you start loving other people. And somehow in your eyes, in your heart, God speaks to you that by loving them well, you love him. So we sense there's an urgency. We sense there's an urgency that the world see God, as Judas Smith would say. And if seeing the beauty, he said, and sufficiency of Christ is more important than anything else, then there should be a sense of urgency. And so I'm calling today in the name of the Lord for you and I to keep the holy momentum of what God is doing. This has nothing to do, absolutely nothing about numbers, has nothing to, has everything to do about Jesus because this is the way I look at it. If we get so close to Jesus, he might just call us like Enoch. So, how do we keep it? How do we move in the momentum of the Lord? How is it when you're on fire for the Lord and every time you open his word, almost every word jumps off the page into your spirit and you are just absolutely about to explode in praise? How does that happen? Well, look there with me in verse 3 and 4. His divine power has granted us the spirit of God, the spirit of the living God, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, has granted you and I, that's us, it's for all people at all times, us, all things, say all things. Because that's going to be real important today. All things pertaining to life, he says. All things pertaining to life. If you think you need somebody, you're single, so you think you need somebody. You think that you need money. You think you need a career. You think you need this. It can all be found in Jesus. And the end point is not what I get. The end point is to who it was given by. I'm already sweating today. I don't even know why. Pertaining to life and godliness. 
through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious, his precious and very great promises. So here's what I want you to see today. Because of the gospel of Jesus, because the gospel of Jesus, our hope can increase because we have been granted. Say granted. Say granted. Come on, you got to buy into this. you got to believe this. His, his, we've not just been granted promises, but the word of God says very specifically his very, what's the next word? Yes. Unbelievable words here. His very great promises. They are precious to us. They are valuable to us. And see, that is what creates momentum. That's what keeps momentum and increases it. It's because when we believe the promises of God, there are not any gate of hell, nor no demon in hell, nor any sinful thing, desire, or person that can keep us from the love of God. Nobody. When we are captivated by the name of Jesus because he is so faithful to his promises, and they are precious, and they are very, very great. And what that does in us is it produces hope. But there are a lot of momentum killers out there. You know what momentum killers are? I'm just going to tell you what momentum killers are. Momentum killers are people or things that don't keep their promises. You say, well, what do you mean by things that don't keep their promises? Well, if you're a kid, if you've been a kid in this room, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it is. Maybe you bought a kid a toy. You go and buy this $5 toy like a Cracker Barrel. Right? When you go to Cracker Barrel, you, you're going for the food, but you got to go in that little shop. And everybody's in there sniffing the candles, getting high off that stuff. I've seen them in there. I've seen you in there. People going in there. That's, that's, a, that's that Christmas sweater. They're so ugly. I'm going to wear that to every party. You know you bought one there. And all I'm saying is this, is that you buy them little toys, right? Right there. They're like made in, for 30 cents, but they cost like $4. So you buy a toy. What's amazing to me, I, I bought those toys for my kids. And by the time I got them from Cracker Barrel here to my house, they were already broke. They were broke. And the reason why they were broke is because they weren't made well, right? So what happens when things don't live up to their billing, then you get disappointed. You're all excited. You got the little toy. You got the little toy. Oh, broke. It's a momentum killer. Think about people in your life that have told you, man, I love you. Think about people, oh, I'll help you. Yeah, I'll be there a certain time. I'll make that catch. I'll make that block. I'll do this for you. I'll study with you. Yeah, I'll give you this. Yeah, I think I like you. All those things. And then they never come true. Those are momentum killers. And yet Jesus promises us that he will never kill momentum. He will not just sustain it, but he will increase it. And so here in 2 Peter, they were writing to check this out. This is what's so cool about Second Peter. So Peter is writing to people that are in this uh, Asia Minor area and other churches, and he's writing to them. And you know what they, the people were? They were broken-hearted people. And so he's writing. There's these precious and very great promises that if you'll trust in them, that life will take on a whole new meaning. Because here's what's happened: these people, these Christians, these believers, these Gentiles were not invited to the business socials. They were not invited to the house socials. They were not invited to the "I'll go 80s on you" house party. They were not invited to those things. Why? Because. Those parties and those socials, if you understand the context, were taking place in the the godless temples. So the parties and the business meetings of that day were taking place in these false god 
temples and Christians were exiled from them, rightly so. Neither would Christians go to them, rightly so. So the Christians felt like, what's going on? Well, when's Jesus coming back? When's all this going to be set back to right? And here's what Peter says. If you trust in the very great promises that you get to experience the divine nature in verse 4. If you experience divine nature, what else do you need? What else do you need? His promises are true and they will always come true. And so today, the challenge for us is I want you to buy into, I want you to rest in, I want you to go forward in, and I want you to hold on to the promises of God. And where are these promises played out? I want, if you want to, you can keep your finger there, but we're just going to spend a little bit of time in Romans chapter 8. And the Lord led me to this verse. I love that he led me to this verse because it's a popular verse if you've been within Christian uh, world or church world for some time. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, or verses 28 through 30. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. Now, if you remember that his divine power in 1 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter 1 verse 3, says that his divine power has granted to us all things. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, watch this. This is beautiful in the Lord. So, Romans chapter 8 verse 28. You already know this. And we know that what saints? Okay, that was good, about 30 of you. And we know that what? All things. See the first Peter, excuse me, second Peter one, verse three. All things pertaining to life and godliness. In verse three, now he says, and we know that all things, we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who do what? Love him, who serve him, right? And be called according to his purpose. Those, we know that in all things, God works for the, for the good of those who love him, who have called According to his purpose. Look at verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many believers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also what, saints? Now. The, those verses, those three verses, I would love for you to spend time with this week. You want a quiet time this week? Here it is. I would love for you to take this and write it on a card and and stick it somewhere in your car or stick it there at your office or in your dorm room or in a book that you're going to open up all the time. I'd love for you to just keep these verses in front of you this week because I think they're going to make a lot of sense to us. Here's what I'm trying to say. And a lot of this I'm indebted to John Piper because when I read him, it just like leaps off the page into my heart as some things were explained. It made complete sense to me. It means that God's promises, I love what the Holy Spirit was telling me, that in all things, look at verse 20. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That means in all things, that means in uh, circumstances past, present, and future, God will work for his good in all things. There's not one thing that you have not experienced in our past, present, or future that God can't turn on a dime for his glory. Not one. And that's why it kills me when I hear people say, well, John, I, 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 need to, I need to get my life right before I get to go to Christ. No, 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 no. You, you, you can't get there. You can't get there. You can't make anything good until the Spirit of God steps in you and makes it good. There's no way it can happen. 
So your past doesn't matter, your present doesn't matter, and your future doesn't matter because it all rests on the name of Jesus. See, this is, in other words, this is what's beautiful. This is what I want us to wrap our mind around. How, how, and I want you to center on verse 28. I think a lot of the promises of God, he'll never leave us or forsake us. Why should we ever fear? God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, no one formed against you will prosper. I mean, the litany of promises of God go on and on and on from anxiety to depression to, to trust, to hope, to believe, to healing, to, listen, it goes on. But what, what verses really encapsulate all the promises of God. This is one of the main verses. Verse 28 is one of the main verses that bring all the promises of God together. So my question is, how do I know, how do I know that in all things that God is going to work for the good of those that are saved, that is loved, called according to his purpose? How do I know that? Verse 29, because it starts with the word for. Listen to this. This is what's amazing. When he starts with four. In other words, four, the reason verse 28 exists, because of verses 28, excuse me, verses 29 and 30. And verse 30 explains it. For those he predestined, he what, saints? Called. And for those he called, he also did what? And those he justified, he also what? Okay, so there's a chain, as, 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 as Piper would say, it's a chain. And that chain gives us the answer that you and I can trust verse 28. You and I can trust verse 28 because God has and will work out his plan in all things for us who are saved because he's predestined us, he's called us, he's justified us, and he is going to glorify us. It is a chain that can never, ever be broken. So what does this word what does this idea of this word predestined mean? I mean, in other words, God doesn't just offer salvation, as Piper would say. He saves us continually. Like, look at this word. This, this is so interesting to me in verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his what, saints? Now, and that, that's, that's, that's very important. Because verse 29 begins to explain the chain. For those God foreknew, he did what? He predestined. Predestiny. That's why it is not heretical to say that you and I have a destiny. If you don't believe you have a destiny in God, then you don't believe in the God of the destiny. You and I have a destiny. There's something we are destined, predestined to something. You and I, everyone in this room, have a destiny. Now, Sometimes, please forgive me, Lord, it, it appears to me that sometimes some preachers can distort destiny. Are y'all tracking me? What I mean by this, what that statement, previous statement is this. When I say that God has destined you for greatness, is that true, yes or no? Okay, yes. And the answer is yes. But the question is, Whose greatness? <laughs> and never mind, I'll go over here. Whose greatness? Uh, right, because you see, what happens is all of a sudden we turn, we turn the, this God's destiny. It's scriptural to say. It's every pastor that says, you and I have a destiny, it is scriptural. He is predestined. The Bible says it right here, predestiny. But here's the answer. Listen to this, go back. For the, 
to, oh, this is so good. This is just so good. God did not call us uh, without, I love what Piper says. He didn't call us. There's a purpose to everyone's life in this room. He did not call us uh, without a specific aim or purpose in mind. He has a destiny in mind for all of us, he said. But what is our destiny? Look at verse 29. The Bible answers the question. For God, he foreknew, he what, saints? And then he answers the question to the destiny. To what? To be what? And to the what? Of who? That's our destiny. Your destiny is not your finances. Though God will use them to conform us into the likeness of His Son. Uh, God will use your destiny to be a mother or to be in a relationship and have a spouse and to be a grandparent or to provide or to teach or to preach or to sell or to heal. Listen, God's destiny for everyone in this room is that we will be conformed into the likeness of the Son of God. That is our destiny. What's your team's destiny? What's your individual destiny? What's your spouse, family's destiny? It is to be conformed. That's why in Romans 12, what does he say in Romans 12 verse 2? Do not what? Conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. His good Pleasing and perfect will. It is when we are being conformed into the likeness of Jesus that you can know the will of God. We have a destiny, saints. Our destiny is not to be a doctor, not to be a mom, not to be retired, not to make a lot of money. Our destiny is to be like... That's it. Now you say, but John, I feel led to be a doctor. I, I feel led to stay home. I feel led to teach my children. I feel led to have this. I feel led to coach. I feel like, good. God is going to use your occupation to show everyone that there is a light in that occupation that looks just like Jesus. You think like him. You talk like him. You act like him. You coach like him. You, you speak like him. You eat like him. You follow him. You sleep like him because you sleep in peace. That's what it is to be conformed. That's the goal of these promises. A holy momentum is so we can trust the promises of God. He is so beautiful because he has predestined us. But the chain does not end in the predestined. My life should point to Jesus. But it doesn't just end there, saints. It ends with the next thing. Look at verse 30. And those he predestined, he what? Uh, I heard two people. And those he predestined, he what, saints? He called. Now, this is very interesting. Oh, this is where it gets really good. I might do a lap or I might fall out. If I do, it's okay. Because here's what I want you and I to understand. You and I have a destiny. And the destiny is, oh, come on, somebody. The destiny is this. I'm going to sit like I said last week. You got to listen to me. You got to eat it, live and sleep the word of God. The eyes of, the eyes of the Lord in Revelation chapter 1 are like what? Come on, somebody talk to me. They're flames of fire. Fire. Uh-uh. Never mind. All right, so fire. Right? I quoted last week. Psalm 97. 
Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightnings light up the world. There are seas and trembles, right? I'm quoting that. The mountains melt like wax. I was quoting that. And so fire goes before him. So God blazes out a path in Jesus. He blazes out a path for each one of us. He blazes out a path. And here's what I know. When you walk in that burned out path that God is already blazing out for us, that I don't have to be touched by false and fake fire. Oh, come on. Listen, listen. If God called you to coach, you don't have to hear anybody else's word that says you can't coach. That's false fire. And by the way, even if it is burning, it can't burn what's already been. Come on. If I'm walking and son, God has called me to teach, then I don't have to listen to that I don't have the money to get my degree to. I, if God has called me to be in this business, then I don't have to listen to what people say at the end of the month that it won't work because what God has already been burned, I don't have to listen to any other fire. I just have to follow the one who keeps blazing the path for me. That is why, that is why you just do what the Lord says to do because it is a beautiful path. And if God says it's not good for man to be alone, come on somebody. Can I get any witnesses in the room? Oh, y'all don't want to go public. All right, so it's not good for man or woman to be alone. That if you walk in the blazing path of God, God will bring you somebody who can shine a lot brighter than fools. Go- you Listen, you can dress, you can dress something up with all kinds of external beauty. But I promise you this, if there's not an internal beauty, it won't last. God has called you. He has called you. Listen, I love what Piper said. The call Paul had in mind was the effective inner call of God. Robbie, come on up and play behind me. I got something. Prophetic. This is going to be good. Listen, in other words, the call that Paul has in mind, these promises that, it, that we're called to, listen, the, Paul, the call that Paul had in mind was the effective inner call of God that when God speaks, it produces something. When God calls you and I, it produces something. Those he predestined, he called. I'm not talking about, listen, there's a difference between being called by God and being called by God. Called by God could be, excuse me, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Who is whosoever? I don't know. Being called is not like this. I, I, I was talking with uh, someone earlier and I said, what's the name of your dog? She said, Sam. I said, being called is not like this. Come here, Sam. Come here. Because I could have 50 dogs in the room and you go, come here, Sam. And who's the only dog that's going to come to you? Uh, you're, you're very good students. Who's the only dog? Because Sam knows your See, here's what I'm trying to say. When God calls you, it produces something inside you. So it's not that everyone is called. No, no, not everyone is called. Many are called, few are chosen. But not everyone is called. Listen, calling means that when God speaks to your heart and says, follow me, 
follow me in this path. Then all of a sudden, like God called Robbie to lead worship. He can't do anything else because the fire of God that burns in his heart won't let him burn for anything else. See, Robbie told me, uh, Robbie said, you were talking about your brother uh, cutting that country album, right? And I said, Robbie, why don't you do that? And this is what he said to me. You, you said you, do, you can't do that, that God won't release you to do that. The only thing you can do is write songs that bring glory to him. Is that correct? Yes or no? Like that's, that's what burned in your heart. Now, the moment that he stops loving Jesus with everything he's got, listen to me, saints, he will burn for something else. He will burn for fool's gold instead of real gold. But that's the path that God's laid out for you. That's what burns in your heart. And so when it burns in your heart, you just follow the one that gives you the, that keeps igniting the fire. And so when God calls you, it produces something. So when you, you call your dog, come here, Sam. Sam comes because the command issues a response in the one who is truly called. Let me put it this way, saints. Let me just put it this way. In the Gospel of John, I got to get my water out here. I'm getting a little crazy. I'm telling you, I might start spraying holy water on y'all in a minute. That's all right. For those who are Catholic, know what I'm talking about. The call of God or the command of God always produces a response. Listen, when, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. What did Lazarus do? Listen, he didn't say just come forth because every dead person in that place would have rose up. But he called one. He said, Lazarus, come forth. In other words, the command issues a response of faith. Lazarus, come forth. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Let there be light. When God said, let there be, when there was a call of God, there was a response by the creation. When God called for light, guess what happened? Is anybody tracking me today? So in other words, when somebody says, who wants to give their life to Christ? Only the ones that are called will hear it and respond in faith. Those are the ones that are called. And guess what? The vast majority of you, my guess is, is that you're born again, that you've been saved. So God has called you because when you heard the gospel, you responded by faith. And you said, who wants to receive Jesus? And you said, me. Because the command of God, the call of God, produced a response. Now, and what is the response? Those he predestined, he did what? Let's go back to verse 30. Those he predestined, he did what, saints? Called. And those he called, he did what? You see, here's what happened. God called Abraham, leave your land, go to this land, and I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And the call of God produced a response in the man of God. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that Abraham believed and it was credited to him as what? righteousness. In other words, those he predestined, he called, he has a destiny, he called, those who called, he justified righteousness, just as if it never happened. Not guilty. You and I are not guilty by the blood of Jesus. We have been and will always be not guilty because we are not just called, we are justified. So stop listening to the people who say you can't do, who you won't do, you don't have the power to do because you're not good enough, you can't do it right enough. It's only one person who can do it in you, and his name is Jesus. That's the one who's called you. He's justified. You're not guilty. John, I just got drunk last night. You're not guilty. Also, I can go get drunk. No! You're missing the scripture. 
Paul said, shall sin increase so that grace can increase all the more so? May it never be. Or in the Greek, I'll quote the Greek, make a toy. Some of you are going, what did he just do? Cuss me? No. It's Greek. It's a double negative. It's a double negative in the Greek. Like, ain't no way. That's a double negative in English. Ain't no way you should ever just go and live it in sin so that grace can increase. Because grace is so good, it should motivate you. Like Jeremy Paul preached on, it's better to follow Mr. Sacrifice than Mr. Perfect. Those he justified. He is justified. You see, the call of God is not for everybody. It is for the ones who produce, it produces something inside you. When you hear God's word, it calls to you. It commands something inside you. And the creation, us, produce something out of it. And those he justified, what's the last thing? Glorified. I want to tell you, though your body might be hurting, there's a day. Though you don't understand your singleness, there's a day. Though you don't understand the degree, though you don't understand what to do next, what should I do? What's the call of God in my life? What should I? Listen, your call is to be like Jesus. And where can you be the most like Jesus? That determines your call. And you know what I'm saying to you. If the call of Jesus is this way, if that's a path that he's burned, then you have to follow that path. And nobody else's words carry weight except the one who's calling you that carries weight. And he glorified. Do you know what that word glorify means? That means for all of us who are seeking glory, here's what's going to happen. You and I will receive the glory of the Lord that we give back to him. And it's going to give us such joy to bring glory to King Jesus. It's going to give us more joy than if we were the ones who received all the glory. Oh, listen, come on, somebody. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, it says, we're going to receive an unfading crown of glory. In Matthew 13, 43, we're going to shine forth like the sun. In Romans 8, 29, we're going to be conformed to the image of his son. In Revelation 21, 4, he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or crying or pain. Because the fullness of joy will be forever. Psalm 16, 11, 21. Matthew 25, 21. Enter into the joy of your master. You see, God is working out everything for our good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Called according to his destiny. And so every promise that God has... You can look and say, God, that promise was predestined for me. God, that promise is calling me. And God, that promise reminds me that I am forgiven forever by the blood of Jesus. And I have his righteousness and not my righteousness. So that promise is still effective whether I sin or not. And one day everything is going to be good because you have promised there's glorification for those who follow you. Is God not good? So today, what's it point to? What promise do you need God to tell you or remind you of? Some of you in this room need to pray for help. Now, I know there's going to be elders. There are people in here who have the gift of healing. We're going to pray. And listen, if God chooses to heal, he can do whatever he wants to do. But know this. Whether he chooses to heal now because of his mercy or chooses to heal in his presence forever in heaven, either way, you're still glorified. Because the glory you receive is only to bring glory to him. We're reflectors of that glory. Some of you might want to hold on to the promise that you're feeling very forsaken because of things that have happened to you in the past or the present. And today, the promises of God is a reminder. 
that He will not. For those He predestined, for those He called, for those He justified, for those He glorified. Let me tell you something. He will not leave you. Do you need an answer to your prayer? Call to me and I'll answer you. That's a promise of God. God doesn't lie. And He will answer. You just keep walking down the path that He blazed. And I promise you that there's no enemy that can stand against you. The weapon will be formed, but it will not prosper. Because the fire of God is greater than any demon in hell. I promise you that and he will give you victory and you walk in the path that God's called you and today you say God though I've doubted though God though I've wavered though God I'm really not sure I'm just going to stand on the path that you've given me and trust in the promises because you have called me and I trust today though I don't see good it will be good because you are good do you need to just rest in his promises today to just spend some time and sit with the Lord and let the prophetic word and the songs that God lays on Robbie's heart, wherever he takes us, which you know you have, complete, liberal, whatever you need, because I trust the Spirit of God, you just take us into his presence. Listen, we can't walk out of here today without experiencing the call of God. But here's what I want to say this, and the promises of God. I end with this. Some people say, well, John, this is all great, because, because I, I believe Jesus. I've received Jesus. Well, I just want to close today, like John Piper said, I want to close. That's not good enough. That's the wrong statement. I I believe Jesus. Believe Him as what? A liar? You believe Him as a lunatic? You believe Him as someone who's going to let you down? Or do, do you believe Him as Lord and Savior. Oh, John, I received Jesus. We received him as what? Received him as somebody that you can't trust because your father blitzed out on you? Or you, 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 you received Jesus as, oh yeah, well, I, he's good enough, but you've never surrendered. You received him as what? Have you received him as Lord? Has he life changing with following? Listen, if you've never received Jesus as Lord, if you've never believed Jesus as Lord, if you've never trusted him as the son of God, then I want you to know, saying that you received Jesus, saying that you believe Jesus holds no water in front of God unless you have seen him as the son of the living God who is faithful and the yes and amen of every promise have you seen him as that and have you trusted him as that if not today you need to make it right because here's how i know if you're called because of what you just heard produced the response in you right now that you felt uneasy that it's such uneasy you can't deal with it you got to get up and do something about it if that's a response that's produced in you then god has called you but i want you to know that if you sit in it and don't do anything with it then guess what then you're not responding to his call So saints in the room, what promise do you need? What promise do you need to pray over your sweet mates, your grandchildren, your family? If God called you to be a mother in that family, then I want to tell you something. Then God will show up in every way. And if your kids tell you you're not good enough, you don't have to listen to that lie because God already said you've been justified. You are the sanctified mother, not them. 
And if God has called you to be that leader at work and everybody around you is turning on you because you won't party and you won't spend time and you won't do with them and you won't hedge on the numbers and you won't keep some of that back money and that travel money and whatever else is going on and they're just pounding you about it, I want you to know something. God said that's the path that you're to walk in. Walk in it and he's your defender and he's your rear guard. And if God is for you, who can be against you? And another promise is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so some of us need to rest and trust in they. Who needs to come in the presence of the Lord and say, God, I'm going to trust you whether I'm wavering or not. I'm going to trust in you because I believe you predestined and you called and you justified. And one day the glory of Jesus will rest upon me in such a way that everything that I've experienced, I can say praise to the name of Jesus. This is, and this is the last illustration. So uh, JD went to Conway yesterday and he took two of my sons and he took somebody else in this room. Probably here. In my mind, so I was thinking yesterday, what happens if he dies? What happens if he dies and two of my sons die? And all I'm left is my wife and, and my daughter. How would I respond with you being here? And I had this visual of three caskets right here. I had this vision uh, of three caskets right here. You know, uh, 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 senior in high school, uh, seventh grader, and, you know, second grader. Uh, different size caskets. And I had this vision. I had a vision of y'all being in here. And I kept thinking, how would I respond? And I want you to know something today. I, I might cry and I might have sorrow and I might have pain. And sometimes I might not can get my breath. But the Lord showed me that if that even happened, I could still say blessed is the name of the Lord because he is good. And whatever happens, he will bring out for his glory. Because though I might be separated for some years, I'm not separated for eternity because God is alive. And he will work all things together for his good. Do you trust him to work all things together for his good? Father, in the name of Jesus, do we trust you right now? Who needs to come and say, I trust you right now? Who needs to come and say, I believe in you right now? Who needs to come and say, I love you right now? Who needs to come in the name of Jesus right now and get prayed for healing and strength and faith and encouragement? God, who in this room right now needs salvation? They'll go and grab somebody who's praying over people. People, God, right now I ask you, who just needs to trust the promises of God and experience the divine nature? Pour yourself upon us today, Lord. Though your families might be falling apart, you're still the anchor. Though we don't know what's going on in the future, you're still the anchor. Though God, our sweet mates, might be going far away from you, you're still the anchor. Lord, my prayer today is that we will trust the promises of God that you will work all things together, all things together for the good of those who love and serve you and call according to your purpose. That Lord will believe that promise so much that we will be conformed to the image of the Son of God. That's why you predestined us. That people will be praying, God, conform me to the image of Jesus. Conform me to the image of Jesus. Let me trust like Jesus. Let me believe like Jesus. Let me love like Jesus. Or here's a big one, Lord. Let me forgive like Jesus. What is it you want to say to us today, Lord? Who needs a prophetic word from the Lord? Who needs to be faithful and be baptized? Who needs to be faithful and say, I receive and respond to the call of God? And who in this room today, Lord, who does not believe 
or has not received you as the Son of God, as Lord of every part of their life, who needs salvation today? Give them the courage to get up out of their seat right now. Come forward and say, I need to be saved. I know you're moving, Lord. With all my heart, I believe it. We trust you. begins to fall on the name of Jesus I will call for I know my God is in control and his purpose